Boom. Hello and welcome to the Protector Nation podcast, a podcast that is dedicated to making the world a better place, making the world a safer place by making good people dangerous. In this podcast, we're going to study and understand what it takes to protect, to protect your family, to protect your loved ones, because we all know that you have a few basic needs, food, water, and shelter, but you also have the need to protect those things in a world and society where evil runs rampant and is sometimes left unchecked. Learning how to protect yourselves and your loved ones is becoming more and more important. And so we strive to raise the level of accountability to those who would do evil on this planet by making sure that the sheep, that the flock, is more well-versed in protecting themselves and their loved ones. If that sounds interesting to you, then sit back and enjoy the show. Out. Boom! Yo, what's going on, you guys? Byron Rogers coming to you guys with another episode of the Protector Podcast. I'm here with Brady Pasola of the Gray Man Project. How you doing, brother? Good, brother. How are you? I'm good, man. I mean, it's it's uh, it's been some interesting times, but really, by the grace of God, I got no complaints, man. Uh, June was an interesting month for all of us, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, how did it affect you? How, how have these changes kind of affected you and your world? Real quick, um, since we're here, you know, with the Gray Man Project, actually, I, I decided to start Gray Man Project within uh, right after COVID because I saw the need to for people to understand preparedness just a little bit differently with a different mindset, uh, bring it to everyone's front door. Uh, you know, it's it's preparedness. I'm trying to take the idea of preparedness away from the idea of a bunch of rednecks in the South machine guns and stuff like that and turned it into something that, you know, where Skyler and Hollywood can decide that, you know what, I sense something coming. I'm going to go get some extra toilet paper and stash some money away and some extra water rather than freaking the heck out, you know? So, but uh, yeah. June, June was interesting, especially in our world. Uh, we're, I was getting called up every single day for a job, having to turn jobs down, people paying five, six, seven hundred dollars a day to, stand guard at someone's house or, or take them somewhere. Yeah, man, it's very interesting in the private security sector. Well, there's a few things you said there. One, the whole preparedness being, I think it's just American. I think it's, it, I think it's just human centric. You know what I mean? It's, it's um, maybe sad that we find ourselves. It's, it's sad and beautiful. I think that we've created such a beautiful, yeah. nice reality that we haven't really had to concern ourselves with provisioning, you know? Um, but at the same time, man, it's, it's like security. It's like, you got your basic needs. Yeah. But you need, you need to be able to protect it. You know what I mean? Like this is kind of another one of your basic needs, you know? Um, yeah. And I think this goes along those same lines of things that might've been forgotten because of the ease we have now. And I think the, uh, this COVID-19 uh, has really put people in perspective of how quickly their first world way of life can, change and be taken away in a heartbeat in a heartbeat if you let it um and i think people are are letting letting it happen to them they're getting overly emotional uh they're getting very very panicky and i don't know i don't know if you noticed it as much on social media people become very aggro aggressive just really shitty with each other fear-based man I think that that fear continues to permeate our society. It's kind of, it's like dealing with an insecure human too. It's like the same. It's it's another. It's fear based. You know what I mean? So they're yeah, kind of more irrational. They're more aggressive. They're you know scraping at the wall, trying to get at the wall. You know, trying to make things make sense. It's like, listen, yeah. man. Sometimes it's just going to be chaos. And if you're not inoculated to the chaos, like if you can't like get grounded in yourself because of who you are and your skills that chaos is going to own you, man, you know? And it's, uh, it's a real, I, you know, when this started, dude, I was really kind of enjoying it. Like I enjoy the chaos. <laughs> I think guys like you and I thrive in chaos and so yes. look at this and go, Oh, a <laughs> yes. oh, real chaos. Wow. Let's <laughs> see how this happens. All right. right? I got this, you know, yeah, it's man. the stupid little stuff that pisses us off. But when it comes to chaos, yeah. we're like, Oh yeah, let's it's do it. It's been this. a while. You know, <laughs> my old friend, it's been a while, you know, mm -hmm. Uh, and this is what we've been trading for, you know, now that's Absolutely. good stuff. And then what you were saying too, with the private security industry, I mean, aspects of it have been shut down, but I was one of those business owners, dude, I was running around calling dudes yeah. up being like, and it was almost painful. Cause I'm like, like, like you're like a lobster number six right now. And you're acting like you're lobster number nine. Like I'm, sitting, yeah. I'm giving him his day rate and he's like, yeah. 
I mean, I don't know, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, I yeah, and it's funny because people, <laughs> like, people like, were calling me up. Yeah, people were getting, calling. I was like, getting blown up. I was just like, it was crazy, yeah. man. And people are like, hey, I'll give you seven hundred dollars a day. I'll give you six hundred dollars a day. One you do basic stuff. Just to do basic stuff. I saw guys, mall cops getting brought up into the EP world going. And I was a point point. I was like, oh, look at the guy. I said, what have you done before this? He goes, I was uh, a bank security. I'm like, all right, just do as I do. Keep your mouth shut. And yeah. we're going to make through this night together. Okay. It was an yeah. easy day. And it's just, it's, it's funny. It's like guys have never done EP before getting called to do $600 a day jobs last month because guards were hard to find. Nobody yeah. was around person. Even professional private security and, and executive protection guys are just like, we're, we're getting snatched up quickly, just like that in LA, yeah. just to do simple stuff for high paying. It was like, wow. Yeah, man. And at guards, guards were like highly sought after. The executive protection guys were snatched up quick and then guard work was like skyrocketing as well. I was, so it's, a, it's an amazing time for us in the executive protection industry. I have people asking me like, is it a good time to get in? I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the time to get in, you know, learn how to market yourself, get in. The industry was supposed to double in size of, uh, over the next decade. But now with all the instability and fear in society, this is the time to get in. quicker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to see. And, you know, it's, it's funny that this business I found out because people ask me, it was like, I want to jump into EP and I, yeah. <laughs> Try and tell them EP isn't something you jump in. It's it's not. It, I've learned that it's not about what you know. It's about who you know because it's a word yes. mouth game. Oh yeah, it really is. And there's guys that are like, "Hey man, uh, I need a I need a guy for this." And well, once you get your foot in the door, you're getting phone calls, right? But mm -hmm. it's to get that foot in the door that takes mm -hmm. so much. Where a guy goes, "All right, I'm gonna put, put you on a team." You. Yeah, but don't fuck me over. Yeah, I'm gonna put my name on you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Officer Hoyt, I'm gonna put my name on you. Yo, yeah. that's one of the things I talk about in my course, shameless plug, is dude, like oh, yeah. the game in terms of creating success here is about widening widening your sphere of influences, widening the relationships you have that are centric to this business that you're trying to make it in. And delivering that good work product. But in terms of having opportunity come to you. You got to learn how to widen that sphere and you got to do it digitally and you got to press the flesh and do a face to face. And so these are the things we talk about, man, in my course, had to say something about it because we up in here. Um, but um, hey, might as well, man. Yeah, no, 100 percent. And then obviously, like I stay on, I coach with those dudes over the course of their whole career. So they have like an executive protection conciliary, which is which is awesome. So I like that. I've been reading about your course and stuff. I think it's pretty bitch and what you got going on there. And I think uh, I think it's really cool. I think it's much needed right now, especially in Southern California uh, and in, in the executive protection community as well. There needs to be mentors. And what I tell people all the time, too, is, you know, if, if you haven't gotten a call from somebody, remind other companies that exist because there's a lot of a lot of small companies in southern california and in california in general that you know are run by one or two guys that just have a bank mm -hmm. of of 1099 dudes. 1099 dudes and w2 dudes and send a message every once in a while so that way you're in the front of their the hemisphere of their Stay brain warm <laughs> hey say hey brother uh just so you know i got a couple of days off this week or this month send them your schedule and then be like oh yeah that's right i do got you you know what i do have a job coming up for you because yep. it's hard to keep in, keep in, just because you don't get called doesn't mean that they don't like you. It's that you're not the front of the hemisphere right now because they're worried about getting contracts and getting jobs, then staffing. Yep. <laughs> that's exactly right, man. No, that's 100% good. Uh, you got to keep those contacts warm, man. That's, that's what's up. So let's get a little bit into, let's get into you, Brady. Let's get into you, brother. Uh, who are you at your core, man? Who am I at my core? I'm That's just an easy going dude. I got yeah. so many irons in the fire. I'm one of those guys that can't commit to just one thing. Mm -hmm. I'm always uh, <laughs> got to be putting something in the fire, getting it hot and ready to forge it out later. Um, yeah. But just, a, you know what? I've been the kind of guy the last three years where if you need something, you can call me and I can, I can be there for a lot of veterans, especially in our community that are, are um, dealing with some shit these days. Yeah. Um, that veteran issue of uh, just dealing with stuff, it's always been something that's gotten to me. It's always been something that I've I've always tried to, I don't know, man. I just see it as we're still at war, bro. You know what I mean? Like we were there, we ourselves. but now it's different. It's a different battlefield. First civilian division, man. So it's, we still need each other and we still, uh, some of us still need help. So it's good to see that. And it's good to the see brain. 
one of us doing good. Go ahead. Yeah, you're doing great, man. I see you employing a lot of veterans, which I think is pretty badass. But uh, if you're right, we're still fighting a war. Our brain is the harshest environment we'll ever have to endure. And once yeah. we figure that out, I think uh, a lot of veterans start coming around. So I was telling you about the stoicism and stuff like that. I've been teaching yes. veterans about stoicism because I, it took me a minute to realize how closely the stoic, uh, associated the stoic um, philosophy is to the veteran mind and how similar it is and how easy it is for us to attach that type of philosophy and understand things just a little bit better with a logical mindset over an emotional mindset. Yeah, no, 100%. It, it, it's, it's probably one of the best protection strategies, man. And I get into so much, I, when I was getting my degree in psychology, I got in so much trouble because my teachers would be like, like, I just couldn't sign off on what they were telling me a lot of the times. And they'd be like, why? Like, and they'd be like, well, how do you deal with it if you run into trouble? And I'm like, honestly, my emotions are probably going to be behaving like bad kids. I'm going to shut them out. I'm going to logically come up with a plan and I'm going to work that plan until I start to gain traction. Once I gain traction, I'll check back in with my emotions. Progress generally equals happiness and build on my self-esteem and I'm going to keep going. And then I'll use those emotions as fuel, you know, or sometimes I'll use the negative ones as fuel, but, but, but the accusation was you over intellectualize it. I'm like, I want you to be right. Cause you're a teacher, but I just don't see how that, how what you're telling me is more effective. You know what I mean? Like the stoic way of, of thinking is like, it's a fortress in my opinion. It is. It allows, I think, people a better logical tool for approaching problems and acceptance of it. You know, it's also letting people know that when something happens that you didn't want to happen, you have to understand that there's nothing you can do about it. That's the way it needed to happen, not the way you want it to happen, the way it needed to happen for your life to progress in the, in the direction that you wanted to. You're not always going to get what you want. And what they say in stoicism is, you know, uh, plan for the best case scenario, as much as you can, but be indifferent to the outcome and accept it as it is and keep moving forward with a new plan. Mm -hmm. And it literally makes the outcome almost like a speed bump. Like, it's like, you just are like that, that Abrams tank turret, just moving, yeah. you know, and everyone else yeah. is like, bro, congratulations. And you're like, thanks. I appreciate it. I'm only as good as my next move. And then everyone's exactly. like, dude, did you see what happened? It was so sad. And you're like, it is what it is, brother. You know what I can do about it. You know what I'm saying? Forward. I love that, that analogy of range. tank tour, man. Yeah, you got the tank tour. It always moves nice and slow. Below that fucker is going up and down. <laughs> yeah, man. No, that's, and that's exactly what it is. Uh, like we can sit here and talk about stoicism forever because it's another, it's a philosophy, dude, that like, I mean, especially when you come from our backgrounds, you know, you get to, you get the privilege, in my opinion, of experiencing some good quality trauma, you know, and, and I honestly, sorry, go ahead. No, it just, it puts us in a place that requires us to find high quality, sophisticated tools to deal with these types of trauma in order to be effective humans, you know, and some guys don't. And that's why we see the fallout. I absolutely agree. And I think within our world, executive protection, I think it's a very much needed practice philosophy. I think a lot of executive protection people should be introduced in a stoic philosophy. And there's four pillars of wisdom, justice, courage, and temperance, which mm -hmm. I feel are absolutely vital as, as a code of conduct for executive protection professionals. You know, the temperance is a restraint, um, courage, the ability to step up and say something when the client doesn't want to do what you want to do to protect them. Um, you know, justice, a sense of justice of what's going on around you and reacting well to it and um, just wisdom. And so I always say that because protection professionals need to be very wise. They need to be emotionally hinged and looking at things from a different point of view, objectively speaking. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I've seen I've seen emotional issues stifle good dudes whether it be their relationship with a client uh positive side and negative side stifle performance i've seen their relationship with the staff and an emotional level stifle performance uh like it that is and then being able to do the job as, as detached as possible and as objectively as possible why didn't the client say good morning that's not my business i said good morning i gave him the eta and I delivered on my professional deliverables. 
You know what I'm saying? That's what we're doing. Oh, man. Anyways, go ahead. I was going to say, well, yeah, with that philosophy, it's uh, I'm applying it now with the Gray Man Project inside preparedness and getting people understanding that when it comes to survival. So Mm. here at the Gray Man Project, we talk about uh, emotional survival, I believe, is the hardest um, subject to talk about and teach. And it's one of the most important things to teach in everyday survival, because you're like, I was telling you earlier, your brain is the harshest environment you will have to endure. And I think stoicism is a great tool for that. Where when people understand that, okay, COVID-19 is happening, everything is getting shut down. How can I apply a logical state of being to this environment? How can I overcome this environment? And that's where I think Stoic philosophy allows a better chance of the average person to survive an event, not just survive, but thrive and go within different social circles um, and and navigate the environment they're in with that mindset of, okay, here's what's going on. Here's how I can apply my training, my experience, and here's the possible outcome that I want. But whether it happens or not, I'm going to remain detached to it and continue to move forward and survive you know, and it's not just people don't understand with stoicism is, is it's not setting aside emotion. It's not being because people use stoic. They like, oh, he's got a stoic mentality. That's not what that means. Stoicism is the ability to analyze your emotions and either exploit those emotions or suppress those emotions for that time being, and then analyzing it and going, okay, I have this emotion right now. Is it useful? Why am I feeling this? Do I need to feel this? And you answer those questions inside that emotion itself while you're feeling it going, okay, this is not help. Let's move forward. And within the gray man and the gray man project, we're punching that in the face as much as possible with people. And this is so relevant and so needed, homie. Like, cause that's what they'd say. They'd be like, Oh, well you, when do you have emotions? Like I know my emotions. I know them. I don't let them control me. And now we, I think one of the, most important intelligence is for life is the emotional intelligence. Um, uh, because you can be as smart as you want, but you're going to be a casualty if you can't control this in here. Um, yeah. And so I think, I mean, we talk about extreme situations, but I, I feel like, and this may even be what you're getting at with your brand, this uh, emotional intelligence uh, uh, that you were just talking about, this is everyday life stuff. Like this is stuff people need to be like, this is a, 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 a way a strength that I need to bring into my everyday life like uh because it's going to make you perform on a much better level it's not like a survival situation now let's do it no it's not like you know attack on principle now let's do it. it's like nah bro dealing with co-workers family you know you know what I mean like it, is that kind of the aim of it is it a way that someone takes for them everywhere Absolutely. I think this is a, a type of mentality and a philosophy. Um, you know, I mean, with Gray Man, you know, the whole Gray Man philosophy has been used and stuff like that. I don't like the term Gray Man philosophy languaging it because philosophy is a love of wisdom. There isn't anything okay. that we're teaching as far as wisdom goes in Gray Man. I would, I looked up, you know, definitions of what's more fitting. And I know it's mm-hmm. putting hairs and being kind of, um, you know, too technical, but I would say, more appropriately, it's a gray man is a method. It's a tool to put in your toolbox within everyday survival. And I tell people, um, you know, if you can't survive the barista jacking up the order Starbucks. Starbucks, get up. You're not going to survive the day. Yeah. You're not going to survive the day. You got to go with the flow and understand if you're creating a stimulus in your environment that brings attention to you, you're failing in that gray man thing. And being a gray man isn't 24 seven. It's a tool that you pull in your toolbox when you need to. When we're on our job, we're with a client. We are a gray man. We are neither political or religious. We are apolitical. We're a religious. We're a emotional. Whatever the client wants to do, whatever they say has nothing to do with us. It's about what they want. Uh, and so you're being the great man. And especially in Los Angeles, I work in West Hollywood. So I'm not sticking out like a sore thumb wearing the traditional 511 tactical stuff. I'm wearing things that are going to be most fitting for that environment. And I'm using the gray man method to make sure that my client is comfortable. Because my client doesn't like that people know that he's got security with them. Well, when he wants people to know, it just kind of depends. But uh, he likes yeah, to use it for his own tools. But that being said, um, he doesn't like having security, uh, knowing people around him that are security. So I'm with him, you know, I got my backpack on, which is, looks like a DSLR bag. Um, that's really organized. Um, 
And, you know, I'm just wearing a t-shirt, jeans, a little tighter fitting. You know, I'm looking like I'm supposed to look in that environment and plan the gray man idea. But when I get off work, when I'm here in San Diego and, and Carl's back here, hey, I'm just a regular dude, easy day, mm-hmm. shut it off, go about my business and enjoy life. I'm finding, I mean, I've kind of had that same client experience quite a bit where it's like, you be security when it's time to be security. 90% of the time, you just try to be a dude. You know what I'm saying? Which I, which of those are the clients I like. Those are the situations I like. Yeah. Um, defining this gray man way a little bit more. Is this a brand for executive protection? Is this a brand for civilians? It's gray man. So the gray man method has been around for a while. People are using it. In fact, there's a movie coming out yeah. called The Gray Man. Okay. Uh, which I'm kind of curious to see, but people have different definitions of gray man. Gray man came out of preparedness uh, realm, uh, a little bit more a harder hitting uh, preparedness guys. We're talking about post-apocalyptic type of uh, blending okay. in your environments and surviving. I'm applying it towards everyday life where people, if you're a civilian and you go into a boardroom or you go into a new work environment, gray man is about the ability to blend into your environment, talk the way that people talk in the different social spheres that you're in, and talk the way they talk, walk the way they walk. So that way you're able to survive socially uh, within those realms, whatever you find yourself in. So if you're in a new realm of, of people, if you walk into a group of people, you stand back and you listen to them. You talk to them, or you, stand, you listen to them. Uh, you understand their languaging, their, the way they pronounce things, the, the tones, inflections. And then it's when you jump into the mix and be able to, to talk as they talk and gain uh, their trust and things like that. And that's just for survival, social survival. There's other situations where you use it for police, law enforcement, detectives, private investigators. I'm a private investigator as well. And I use it quite often when I'm trying to get into a crowd that I want to investigate someone that's in. Um, so there's, there's many applications with a gray man. And it's for just about anybody that wants to be able to learn how to engage with different social environments comfortably and tactically. And tactically, comfortably and tactically. I like that, man. So it is, we're staying along the lines of blending, being efficient, um, staying off kind of the grid, the, ma- the you know, major kind of social grid, any negative attracting, any negative attention, but you're still achieving your objectives uh, with the least mm-hmm. amount of resistance, essentially. Pretty much. You're trying to move in and out of different environments without creating a stimulus is what they say. And so some people will try and be the guy that doesn't say anything in the room, the quiet guy in the room. Well, I hate to say it, but the quiet guy in the room is still a stimulus because guys like you and me who are situationally aware of what's going on in our environment goes, what's wrong with this guy? You yeah. know what I mean? Like I'm looking like, at this guy going, why is he the quiet guy? And everyone else yeah, is having a time. You need to buy in on something, homie. I yeah. need a pound of flesh, man. Yeah. <laughs> you left and, or to you to the right way you doing. <laughs> and I've had this conversation yesterday. I was on a podcast with uh, Arcadia Cognorati. And they're the guys that founded the original Combat Hunter program that was introduced oh. to us in the Marine Corps. Greg Williams and Brian Marin. It's Greg Williams is the original guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm supposed to link up with them too. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. <laughs> we got emails back there somewhere. Yeah, we. I, had a, I was on them yesterday and we were talking about that baseline and a lot of what the gray man does actually overlaps with them as well. And we're talking about situational awareness and I hate to say, but everyone's been using this term situational awareness with a broad stroke of like, yeah. you can get your certification in situational awareness. Well, that 25 cents might get you a cup of coffee somewhere, but yeah. it's more of a personal state of mind. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, like it's a state of mind. It's knowing, okay, I'm in an area where this I need happened. to pay attention to the people around me. Right. So mm-hmm. say for instance, for you, you're in an area and all of a sudden you see someone with eight, eight on their tattoo on their neck. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. I'm going to be situationally aware that eight, eight means HH, Heil Hitler. That person might be a threat to, to you specifically okay we need to pay attention to that guy i'm aware what's going on of course you got the color codes the white yellow orange red and black and all that stuff um but i think everybody needs to have a certain situational awareness and you have to have a baseline and things fall uh fall below or rise above that baseline uh as you're going out in the environment if i'm at home relaxing it's not something that's in my mind i'm having a whiskey i'm enjoying the tv the yellowstone which is my new favorite show um i'm doing something right when I'm out and about with my family, I'm going to turn that gray man on. I'm going to turn that situational awareness on because now I'm going to make sure that my wife and daughter are protected by me. I'm looking at people around me 
and studying the environment and creating that baseline. Awesome. No, I dig it, man. That's good stuff. Very good advice. Things that I, I you know, I, I always try to encourage everyone to pay attention to civilian law, everybody. I mean, it's, these are basic human survival skills, like pillars of being an efficient, effective human. What would you say would be like some tools that stand out in the gray man kind of toolkit? Or how would you approach that question, actually? Well, standing out in gray man is kind of like one of those words you tell a recon guy that been compromised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, know, important tools, I guess, for a gray man's getting ready to leave the house. He can take a few things. The first thing is his mind. The brain, the mind. That's the most lethal weapon you have, is you're turning on your mind. The moment you shut that door, lock the door, and you look around left, right of your house, you're on. You got your brain on. That's the most lethal weapon. As you say in our in our industry, the moment that we have to go hands-on or put our hands on our weapon, we've already failed in our job. We have to anticipate yeah. the environment around us. And so when you're out there, the first number one tool is your brain, a conscious, active brain. When you're reading a license plate, you're reading a license plate to yourself. But you're also right. asking yourself, why am I doing all these things? Um, so that's the first tool. The other tool uh, is common sense. And then you start looking, going down your body. What am I carrying with me? Well, you know. Normal stuff, my cell phone, my wallet, things like that I need, my keys. Now what do I have? Well, I generally carry a knife on me. Do I use it as a weapon? I really don't see it as a weapon. I use it as a tool. Because if someone says, hey, you got a weapon on you, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. But I have my knife. I have my tool on me that I use for cutting boxes open every day. And I always think a man should always have, yeah. I always always say a man should have a blade on them at all times, a knife on them. It's a good tool to have. I have my flashlight, of course. I always have my my firearm with me and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, that that all is good and well. It doesn't mean shit unless your brain is turned on. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. What would you say about family readiness and preparedness? You know, that's a very important thing. Uh, it starts with them as well as as their brain. It's uh, do you have have you taught your 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 children and your wife to be in that state of mind of awareness when they go out. Uh, the one thing I've been glad about is that when, when during June, when all the riots were going on up in, in West Hollywood and LA and stuff like that, I was having to leave my wife and daughter for and days at work. a time uh-huh. and go to yeah. work. And as funny as my wife, don't tell her I said this, but she's way more intelligent than I am. And she's mm-hmm. absolutely aware. And she's, it's one of those things It's nice to have a partner that I don't have to worry about when I'm gone. It's funny one day as I, I said, hey, do you know how to load this? And she goes, your Glock? I'm like, yeah. Can, here, let me see if you can know how to load it. So she took the empty magazine uh, and she went, bat, bat. And I'm like, okay, Mrs. Smith, what the fuck was that? Where did you learn that? She goes, I've watched you and I've practiced when you were at home. I'm like, oh. no kidding. Oh, oh uh, some initiative god. too? Okay. All right. All right. You got a good one, man. There yeah. you go. So I'm like, oh my God. So when it's funny, when I go out with my daughter, when we're walking the dogs, we're doing something as simple as reading our environment. I go, okay, honey, can you read that license? She goes, yeah. I said, how many people are in that vehicle? She goes, two. I was like, what do they look like? Um, well, that one looks Hispanic, brown skin, um, has these different stickers, things like that. What's that one? Okay. What's that person doing? Um, they're in the bushes. What are they doing in the bushes? Uh, they look like they have some scissors. I'm like, yeah, those are pruners. What are they doing? Oh, they're gardening. Okay, cool. You know, how many people are in that vehicle going their way? So I got my daughter consciously looking at her environment and observing when she's walking the dog with my wife and things like that. And then for them, it's knowing a, a plan to go in case something should happen. And I talk about preparedness in a more of a pragmatic sense where, um, in Southern California, what's our biggest threat? Fires. That's our mm-hmm. biggest threat. Because people will go, people are looking at oh, earthquakes, EMPs, nuclear weapons, blah, 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 blah. Look, let's let's grasshoppers with machine guns. Exactly. It's like <laughs> right. let's let's look at a more pragmatic. I'll get phone calls and people say, Hey man, I'm looking for instructor to teach me and my family to do this, this, and this. I'm like, all right, cool. What's your fear? Oh, uh, a couple of years ago, North Korea sending a nuke. I'm like, all right, calm down. Yeah. that thing's going to yeah. get shot down before it even leaves that area. Uh, but let's look at more something like closely related to disasters that we experienced, like wildfires in Southern California, creating a bug out plan. Where are we going to go? And when people talk about bug out, obviously they talk about the long term going on foot cross country, find a different you know, colony. Let's talk about 
getting to someone's house, getting to your parents' house, getting to a family relative's house that's outside the fire radius and things like that. How are you going to get there? How are you going to avoid traffic? How are you going to anticipate traffic? And a lot of people in Southern California are like, no, I'll stick around and try and save my house, which some do. And hey, I commend that. I absolutely commend that. I'm the kind of guy that would, but in the reality of things, if you have a family, you're not afforded that type of, of bravery and courage. You right. need to make sure that they are out. And if you want to go back to your house, cool, but you need to think about the ability to protect your family later on uh, in life and, and the need that they need for you to be there. So when we talk about family preparedness, it's more of a pragmatic approach. We talk about situational awareness. We talk about um, going out into your neighborhood and getting to learn who your neighbors are. And the best yeah. way to do that is when you have a dog. When you're walking a dog and someone else has mm-hmm. another dog, what are you doing when the dogs are sniffing each other's asses? You're getting doing small the same talk. thing. Doing the same you're, thing. <laughs> you're, you're having small talk. Who are my yeah. neighbors? You know, what kind of people are they? What kind of political leanings are they? You know, okay, what kind of car do they drive? Things like that. All this is intelligence that you can gather to determine who lives in your neighborhood and who's going to react to what when things go downhill. Who can you rely on? Who's an asset and who's a liability? I know as a veteran. In my neighborhood, if I see someone on the American flag, because the American flag isn't raised very much in Southern California. It's not something that's seen or prided upon, right? So if I see an American flag flying above someone's house, that takes a lot of effort every day for that person to go out there, raise that flag, especially if it's lit at nighttime. That tells me that person- And you know they're legit. They're legit. I know if I'm a veteran, I can go to that person's house, declare I'm a veteran and say, hey, let's exchange- you know, um, let's exchange help for each other. I'll provide protection. You help me with my family. Because I know American flag, they're going to be more patriotic in a sense than Uh someone with, you know. So we're looking at those characteristics of people. We're profiling people in a different way. And people use profiling with such a dirty term. They look at it. Well, here's the thing. Let's take a look at profiling in the sense of human instinct and survival. Uh If I walk down the street and I see someone commit a violent act on another person, my brain stores that information, that person, what they look like, what they wear, how they wear, their skin color, things like that. That's all gets stored and it's going to be put inside the brain as a survival mechanism. Now, let's get stored in a couple years down the road, a couple months down the road. If I'm walking down the street, my spidey senses tingle, my brain's telling me, hey, I see some characteristics of someone that's associated with some violence that we saw earlier. We need to wake up and pay attention. And that's the short route that we, we talk about the limbic system, where yeah. the immediate response is, hey, there's a short route and long route. The short route mm-hmm. is that moment of like spidey sense, <laughs> yeah, pay attention, yeah. right? Your that brain. long route, yeah. yeah, that long route goes through the sensory cortex, the hippocampus and goes, yeah. it's like when, when your buddy scares you, right? The first thing we do when someone comes behind you, you get <laughs> yeah. in that judo stance. Yeah. And there's two responses. You can tell who's trained, who's not. Yeah, there's exactly. two responses. People either go like this, they're ready. People go like this, whoa, hey, right, I know who you are now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, yeah. And guys like you and me, we get scared. And we're like, we oh, that, like, this, okay. This is that, yeah, this is that short route. The long mm-hmm. route determines whether we're going to punch our buddy in the face and act scared just so we get a popping on his face for doing that shit or going, right. all right, I'll spare you a fucking five finger, you know, hello. Death punch. Good son. morning, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Right. right? So preparedness comes from a state of being. It's always a state of being. It has... More to do with your brain and less to do with your skills and the tools that you have around you. Yeah. No, I love that you um, talk about it as a state of being, uh, because for me, it's the same thing. This whole, it's more like, you know, executive protection or security is more than just a job. It's a lifestyle. Like, I'm not interested in like the gear you've got or how you tried to prepare yourself for this moment. The reality is simply that if when the stress comes or the, the circumstance comes, if you haven't been living a life that gives you a baseline of performance, like if you don't have a state of being that makes you the guy that can survive and deal with everything, you're going to fail, bro. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it doesn't matter if you once upon a time were cool. It doesn't matter if you get paid a lot. It doesn't matter how cool you look, but if you don't have a state of being that gives you a certain level of efficacy in terms of performance you're gonna just be another casualty <laughs> you know and it's like that's why Absolutely. the lifestyle is kind of a lifestyle of preparedness. yeah yeah exactly where's your brain when i'm looking at a teammate i want to know exactly how they perform under pressure and i've worked with the navy seals i've worked with this i've worked with that so on and so forth i don't give a fuck about who you are if you're a super underwater just scuba sniper fucking jedi i don't care or you're a how plumber you that is, <laughs> transitioned into you know I want to know that you've got a good solid head, that you're relaxed, 
that you're you're flexible uh, morally, ethically, and you know that you can cater to the customer's needs, but you're also a good teammate. That if we're sitting in a vehicle together for 12, 16 hours a day, you're not going to piss me off or annoy me. That we can get along and take care of each other. Right, hundred percent, man. Those social dynamics around that are huge. Oh, uh, God. it's it's everything. <laughs> it makes yeah. it a quality or a horrible work experience, man. It uh, is, you know, it's like, do I got to work with you? When someone says, yeah, we're going to put you on the team with this guy. And you're like, okay, the professional me goes, okay, fine. The human me goes, fuck. The, the veteran in you. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. the veteran professionals, like, I already know yeah. what this is going to be. And it's going to yeah. be, what's your background? And it's, we got to do the and thing. And it's funny is when you get a teammate that you're not a big fan of, mm-hmm. you're immediately worried about how they're going to be with that client that day. If that client says something that's off the color are you going to worry about the return language of that teammate to that person? We're going to have to try and de-escalate the situation because I don't care if it's just him. I'm on you with a team. So if you look bad, I also look like shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's because the trust isn't there generally. It's like, this guy's a liability, man. He's like trying to outshine everybody. That's usually the issue is around, the issue usually is around trust. You're like, I can't, you know. Usually trying to be a. Yeah, they're trying to be a buddy guard and like, yeah, buddy yeah, guard, rock star. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm dealing Dude, with it yeah, right now, like, bro. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you can't you got- tell them. Well, you can't tell them. You tell them, and they think they're smarter than you. They think they're the best dancer. So you're like, hey, dude, don't do that because uh, it makes you look bad, and it makes the rest of the team look bad. You're trying to ingratiate yourself on this level while we're just trying to be professionals. It could mm-hmm. cause the client to be like, why are the other guys not like? Broken and doing all this crazy stuff. So we need to keep this thing uniform. We need to keep it professional. They'll view us as professionals. We'll have more influence. And then the new guy or the rookie is usually like, you trying to steal my shine, son. <laughs> you know, you mad because the client just loves me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's, and then you end up having to be like, I'm going to have to let you learn. <laughs> and this yeah. is when, and you let them run out there and they fall on their sword usually eventually. And the client's like, mm-hmm. yeah, what's up with Jeff? Like, he's just kind of more, he's just, he's getting on my nerves. He's trying to da, 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 you know, yeah. and then it takes care of itself they, usually. It, it does. And, and it's good. You know, you see some cocky guys, you know, I've seen some cocky guys come through. Um, I've seen ones that have come right fresh out of like a AP school that are like, I know everything. Um, and I've seen that before and, you know, what I love about the team I work with is I got some great guys on the team I work with, you know, I can trust every person on my team, which is rare. And for some reason, it's funny because they're all Marines too. You know, it's when I, for some reason I get on a team with all Marines, I'm like, this is loving life. Yeah, and it's just I don't know. Maybe I'm biased a little bit. Nah, man, I'm the same way because we have the same engine. We know we we can take a lot of crap. Like nothing's that bad. Like nothing for the rest of life. If you were a Marine Corps, (laughs) is that bad? Like nothing's that bad. (laughs) And you know you can rely on them to perform. You know that that you know it's like if a client wants to go hiking. I know we, we were going to stick with them. We're going to be, you know, we might be a lot of shape or whatever, but we're going to be with the client, you know, Um, there's that engine in there. It is. It is. It's that, that, that drive to be excellent in the face of adversity. It's knowing that I'm not going to let the client show uh, or see weakness in me because they got to be able to know that you got their back. 100%. Yeah, man. I I love working with Marines. I love working with everybody. Y'all listening. But I do love working with my brothers, man. It just makes things easier. We speak the same language, dude. Yeah, so it's, 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 an un, it's, it's an unspoken language between Marines when we're working. Exactly, exactly, 100%. So what I love that you said, too, about the family preparedness is essentially what you're doing is you're teaching uh, your family members to live that life, really. It's, it's a day-by-day, and it's a constant thing. And I think it's our responsibility, especially as protectors, to bestow these way you know, of, of thinking and mindset, uh, down to the family. I think that's awesome, Absolutely. man. I think Protector it's something is that, a mentality. hundred percent. And you can be the most legit dude in the world. And I felt that same thing you mentioned when I was getting ready to go to work during uh, the pandemic and all the crazy stuff, you can be the most legit guy in the world. And then there comes a moment and you're like, I need to leave these most important humans in my life alone now by themselves. And one thought is, am I getting paid enough to do this? And the other thought thought is, have I been a diligent and and, and effective enough leader to make sure they know how to survive? You know, 
mm-hmm. is that plan in place. Uh, and I love what you said about the, uh, and that plan, like you said, it's a way of being, this should be happening almost every single day. You should be sitting down at restaurants, explaining to your kids why you're sitting where, what they're looking at. You should be, this is a way of life. You know, this stuff is just a course mm-hmm. you go to. Um, I love that, man. And with, uh, I did an article recently with Recoil, and they were talking about like a security plan for a house. I was kind of playing into the concentric rings of security, but I started it at that, yo, the social level is a layer of security. These neighbors are security assets. That nosy neighbor that's out there watching everything, that knows everything that's going on in the neighborhood, that's a security asset. Leverage that asset. Leverage everybody on your block, man. That's that stuff is, uh, it's priceless because those are your best security systems. Your cameras will show you the people that there were people in your house robbing you. <laughs> like nine times out of yeah. 10, it's like, oh, there's the guy. Like, like you just study the footage to see what happened to you, <laughs> you yeah. know? Absolutely. Uh, it's great too. If you, if you let some neighbors in on a little bit about what you do, if someone sees you with certain bags, I mean, people profile in the neighborhood, their nose and stuff like that. Oh yeah, they're wanting to know. You let them know what you do, that you're a protector they immediately come to you when something's off they'll call you they'll yeah. tell you it's like hey i saw this weird car in the neighborhood i saw this guy walk in the neighborhood it gives you fresh intel especially when i'm yeah. gone that's that's invaluable intelligence for me when i'm gone in my neighborhood and then they tell me this and i say hey honey i need you to uh, look out for this when you're walking with dogs when you're with uh, my daughter this that i need you to look out for this and keep an eye and tell me what you see and stuff like that and that's you're absolutely right your neighbors are security assets and some of them can be liabilities uh-huh. it just depends yeah, they could be watching you, looking in your garage when it comes up, see you got guns and call the cops. Who knows, you know, but exactly. if you have a relationship with them, then maybe they'll talk to you about it. You know what I mean? If you are familiar Absolutely. with them and you have a relationship with them, maybe they'll be like, hey, saw you had some guns. And you're like, yeah, I, you know, and you can disarm that trash. Uh, the yeah. last thing I'll say on that neighborhood kind of um, approach is these days with riots rolling down the street like wildfires and crushing people's neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. One of the things I did was I got with the other uh, able-bodied, the other mams, the other able-bodied males in my neighborhood. And I was like, hey, dudes, you know, got the cops. We got all kinds of folks in my neighborhood. And I was like, yo, anything happens and they start coming down the street, we can just pop up to the top of the gated community there, park a few vehicles, and we can take care of each other. Or if something happens while I'm at work or you're at work, your family can come to my house. You know, and I'll safeguard them until you can get here and vice versa. You know, we had these conversations, which just yeah. strengthens the fabric of security around your little bubble of humans. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And it's good to have good neighbors. I, I'm in my neighbor's backyard here. They're awesome. They're friends of mine. Stuff yeah. like that. And if they see something, they always let me know what's going on, which is, which is really awesome. So that's good. What would you say are, what do you, would you say is the hardest lesson you've learned in the field with regards to your gray man? the gray man way that's a pretty good question well that's a, that is a really good question i haven't really thought of it um when it comes to instructing uh gray man philosophies uh the method i gotta get away from using that philosophy i hate that languaging right. um when it comes to teaching the gray man method to other people um you know because we are as we we are a brand uh we are a company that um you know we're trying to teach not just preparedness and the situation awareness but the actual tactical skills you know shooting um and and security and things like that it's the hardest part teaching this is getting people to dismiss their own bias when i show a picture of something like say a, a vehicle for instance you know we see it in la and stuff like that where there's all these different stickers what do these stickers tell you right what's the actual information that's coming from those stickers now what people do is we'll try and make an assumption well based on this sticker i imagine this person would be this tall that like no stop stop that's not the information we're trying to do if i see a sticker on the back of a car it's telling me what's important to that person that i can use in a conversation to begin my foot in the door to collect intelligence off the person if i want to know who they are what they are what they're doing and stuff like that so it's teaching people to get away from this declarative statements that they any and we see it in the veteran community where they think they because i do this I know for sure this, it's that Dunning-Kruger syndrome where they know just enough that they think they're an expert, but not enough to know that they're wrong. And I come across Mm -hmm. clients when they talk about reading by language and all of a sudden they're like, well, this guy reads up and to the left. And that means this, no, stop. That doesn't work. And that's not how that plays out. So people have this already declarative knowledge. They don't know that they are wrong by using their bias instead of 
putting back your bias and, and thinking objective, objective going, okay, how do I think objectively? And I think that's the hardest part in teaching what we teach and, and how we try and, and navigate this method of, of being a great man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, that's, is the cup half empty? Is it full? Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, this is, this is big stuff. Uh, what would you say about uh, proudest moments with regards to this gray man way of being proudest moments you've uh, seen in students yourself, maybe either or. Well, we're just starting, you know, uh, we haven't had any full classes yet. I've taught classes mm-hmm. individually one-on-one with people, but not the biggest class. But what I like is when I was a firearms instructor teaching that philosophy in firearms, um, I always loved hearing students tell me that, you know, I, um, got my CCW because of you or because, um, you know, I did have one client tell me that they did engage someone with their pistol and save their life. Um, and that was a very proud moment. I hate to hear that they had to go through taking someone's life with their pistol because now you're dealing with law enforcement anxiety, you're dealing with guilt and you, you're going a thousand different possibilities in your head that you could avoid it, but the situation happened. Yeah. And my proudest moment was hearing that they were able to save their life. Not that they killed someone, because they saved their life using techniques and tactics and the mindset that I had taught them. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And that's, uh, I mean, it's val- it just is validating. As messy as it is, it is like, all right, sweet. I'm not crazy. This is valuable. You know what I mean? It's like, boom. You know, so that's great that everything that we fruit. Exactly. Everything I teach, everything that guys like you and me teach is theory. It's all theory until it's applied in the real world. And that's where your instructors, you know, also the information that we, that I create, that I, that I push out can be read in a book somewhere. What an instructor is, is someone that facilitates confidence and the environment that gives the opportunity to practice these things and, and apply it. And, you know, some guy can read a book, you know, and book knowledge are the dots. People like you and I who are instructors are the lines that connect those dots and, let yeah, people, man. you know, experience it through empirical experience and in controlled environments. Yeah, no, I'm right there kind of on the cusp of this instructor world slash operator practitioner because I'm like, my course is like literally the conversation I have with new guys when they get on the detail. Like it's literally like basically what I would tell you if we were actually like I was, I am in the field every single day and this is what I'm doing to survive and this is what I'm doing to thrive. And this is what I'm teaching you. Yeah, I mean, it's like, because, exactly. you know, you know how it is. You go to a couple yeah. courses here and there around the industry and it's like, you're doing, I don't know, you're doing like things that you just don't do in private security when they're teaching you these formations and you're like, it's going to be one guy. Like, so for me, you know, I, I was in the industry for like seven years before I went to my first course and I went to my first course and I was like, I don't know. I've never had this happen or had, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, yeah it'd be one guy maybe two guys this is the most you know i mean how do we do it here you know so that what you're saying that it it is theory but then there's those people that have done it that are doing it and then then yes are are giving it to you from experience yeah i mean and i I love that about those that's why we're having this conversation i mean those are the types of people i like to associate with for sure experience is one of those things and and i really you know i've seen people come out of a school and go, you know, and see a guy who hasn't been in school and they, they almost look at him just kind of like, well, I've been through school. You haven't. Okay. But I've got seven years on you of experience. You know? And, and it's funny. Um, not recently, like I, we got, I work with a guy fresh out of school um, and he's a solid rock star. The kid just rocks at life. He's a rock star. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely adore the kid. Uh, he's 25 years of fresh. He was a Marine. They might know him, Alex. And uh, Alex is just a, one hell of a kid. I mean, the guy's a fucking rock star. I would love working with him. And uh, he's a solid dude. He's a guy that come out of a school that's like, all right, this is this is a guy that needs to, has a good future about him. And then I've met other people. It's like, come out of school. It's like, all right, you need to calm down and, and take that arrogance somewhere else. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think it's those un- uninitiated, <clears throat> uninitiated men that like, they're act, they're trying to solve something internally. And so when they do something like get a position, gain rank, go through a school, it weighs too heavily on their ego because that hasn't been dealt with yeah. through past battles and things like that. That's a whole nother podcast. Anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, no. um, good stuff though, man. So uh, before we open up the closing questions, kind of like, kind of 
uh, so you said Gray Man's a brand, Gray Man's a company, which I know, but like talk a little bit about the service offerings. What type of courses are you guys offering and things like that? So we have a multitude of different courses. Uh, one of my teammates uh, that runs the Grand Man Project with me is a SEER instructor. Uh, and Ooh, so, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> so we're, we're looking into doing things, un, unclassified, open things that you can find open source we're going to teach. Um, but we're going to start with um, the actual gray mind, gray man mind. Um, and I, I think that's very important. It's just the mindset of what's saying. So we're, we're going to teach in those classes. Uh, we're going to be teaching uh, human behavior profiling, going out, teaching people how to collect intelligence, counterintelligence, surveillance, counter surveillance. Uh, we are going to teach counter custody, things like that. Um, nothing like uh, Ed does. Ed does an amazing job out there with the stuff that he does. Absolutely love his work. Um, but it's going to be more along the lines of I'm a civilian and um, what do I need to do to avoid capture? How do I get into, uh, how, not so much of when you need to get esca escape, but the actual part where someone puts their hands on you. How do I use violence to separate myself from this situation and get free of it? Um, so we're gonna be te teaching that firearms, and then we're gonna get into the wilderness portion of it. Land, uh, land nav, human tracking, um, as well as wilderness survival um, and just basic backpacking and hiking and things like that. Because I personally think um, I have a standard for executive protection people, and that is they should be well-rounded and well-versed in everything that they do, including the ability if the client wants to go for a hike, that you should have things on you, that ability to go in the woods and help this guy survive if you guys get lost and keep them from getting lost. Um, having tools on you that allows you to operate and go in any environment. And that type of philosophy and mindset is the same with civilians. I think civilians should have an executive protection type of mindset for themselves. Um, and as Patrick McNamara says, you know, as the executive protection agent in charge of your own detail, which is really perfectly emulates so what perfect. every person should be doing is protecting themselves and learning this, this type of stuff. So we got a multitude of classes that we're going to provide uh, towards people, classroom classes down in San Diego, we're moving around the state and, and hopefully later on the country to teach these things to people, practical application, pragmatic application of a gray man, uh, of the gray man method. Awesome. I love that, man. You got to keep me in the loop when you roll these things out because we're neighbors, dude. We got to do, I got to do some reviews. You know, I mean, this is awesome. This is good stuff. Uh, what would you say? Thank you. What would you say is your favorite quote, mantra, saying? It's by Epictetus. This is the good stuff right here, man. <laughs> when someone says that they heard something spoke ill about you, rather than make excuses for it, say, they must be ignorant of my other faults, let's say, mention these ones alone. Yeah, That is such a smart-ass, beautiful response to when someone uh, says something about you. I think too much as a society, as men, uh, we are too worried about what people think and feel about us. And it's one of those things that we can't control. And we say in stoicism that you can't control your reputation. You can't control the things around you. The only thing you can control are your actions and your emotions. So when someone says something bad about me, I go, really? That's it? They don't know about the other things that I've done in my life? Oh, man. And then the second question I asked them, I said, what did you say to defend me? Yeah, why were we having this conversation in the first exactly. place? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That is yeah. my favorite quote. That's the fun part. No, that's a good one, man. Yeah, that's a good one. It puts What's yours? fire. <laughs> my favorite quote. Oh, man, I have so many. But you know the one that comes to me right now, honestly? And I've been... Dude, I've been studying this stuff and I love quotes. Like I'll start popping off all kinds of stuff. But the best quote right now, like in my spirit is ain't nothing to it to do it, baby, from uh, Ronnie <laughs> Coleman, son, because <laughs> I'm just a doer, bro. Like I'm a doer. Like yeah. I'm not the smartest guy. I ain't that tall. You know, I ain't got like the sexy six pack. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I just, I'm like mediocre in a lot of ways, but I've been able to create things I'm the guy yeah, who's going to go freaking do it. <laughs> I mean, exactly. And, you know, like you can be as, you know, graceful, eloquent, dress it up, make it look pretty, be smart. But like if I'm executing every single day, the path will perfect me because I'll learn. I'll do my best to learn. And the creativity, the creation process keeps you humble because it's like, <sighs> yo, this is the best boat ever. I'm going to put yeah. it in the water. And when that thing sinks and no one cares, 
guess what? You need to become more accurate. You know what I mean? So yep. there just ain't nothing to it but to do it, man. And then you get in that battle of becoming more accurate and trying to shape reality deliberately. Um, and do you I think laugh. that that's, I was going to ask, do you think that's part of the Marine in you? Do you think that's? Um, like, how do you mean? Uh, one last thing. I laugh because your quote's so beautiful. It's, it's awesome, right? And I love that quote. I knew exactly what you're talking about. But then I'm like, yo, ain't nothing to it but to do it. So, <laughs> I love that, dude. It's, it's, so get crude, but done, it's real man. for me. Um, but you say, uh, is that the Marine in me? Like, how do you mean? Just the, well, yeah. Well, that, that get thing done kind of thing. Like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, Bill Wright. Fuck it. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Just get that, yeah. that like, okay, I see my objective and I'm going to assault that target. And I'm going to move forward and get it done or die and that's fine <laughs> literally and this is the game we play you know it's yeah i guess a better way of saying it alexander the great says you know in the end all that matters is what we've been able to do or what we've done yeah. and that's it you know um and that i think when i was really just a little bit when i was doing executive protection i was on my first contract one of my first contracts. And I remember not having enough power over my life. And I just left the Marine Corps, which we have no, no power over your life. And I remember being like, I can't live my whole life like this. I need to figure out how to achieve freedom or die. And until I do, I won't look at myself as a grown man. Exactly. And that, and that, that was that. like, and so that's why I'm hammering dude. And uh, it's been a beautiful life as a result of those decisions. I love that, man. Yeah, you've done a lot of great work in the last couple of years. Um, just watching you kind of move about the the sphere of executive protection and creating your own company and teaching people like, hey, I want to see people succeed in this in this in this lifestyle. How can I make this um, not only just a business, but how can I help people and help me at the same time? Because I think you know, as as Marines, we tend to be very selfless. We always want to give, we always want to serve and stuff like that. But unfortunately, a lot of us don't really figure out a way to help ourselves. And I think you've done a really good job doing that by saying, hey, how can I support my life? How can I live this life I want to live? And how can I help people at the same time? And I think that's fucking brilliant. Well done, man. Dude, thank you. I really appreciate that, Ray. It's Honestly, it's like the best way to live life. I want everyone to be a billionaire. I want everyone to be a millionaire, but I want everyone to find that thing that does that yeah. it's like through giving you know the, the the thing that i'm giving is validating enough to where life's reciprocating back to me the value i'm giving and the value i'm giving is enough to help me have my freedom and it's like this it's just on it's an amazing beautiful thing it's an amazing way and that that's why i love what you're doing too man it's the same it's in the same vein bro you're gonna be empowering people uh, to be self-sustaining and intelligent, making good people, you know, more willing, capable, and prepared, you know? So we, uh, we have a lot of that crossover, man. It's good stuff. We're going to do a lot. Absolutely. Together, I'm down for it. How would you like to be remembered? This is a good one. <laughs> you know, I like to be remembered that the guy that I was the guy that you could go to when you needed something. And I think I've done a pretty good job over the last three years running my nonprofit, taking veterans outdoors and being, making myself available to veterans uh, to be able to um, save their own life. Um, I spent the last three years, four years actually, answering phone calls in the middle of the week, in the middle of the night, taking veterans out to get them out of their own brain and into a state of mind where they don't want to suck start a shotgun um, by listening to them and being there when they needed to, uh, when they, when they need someone. And I think I've done a pretty good job last, last four years of being able to be remembered as someone that, uh, is there when someone needs something, you know, I always make myself available and, and I'll, full admission, full transparency. I'm an asshole. Um, but I'm the asshole that, you know, I'm very sarcastic. I'm very, you know, can be abrasive at times, but I'm that guy that'd be like, you know, I'll set aside my ego and my arrogance and I will listen to someone and go, okay, I got you. Let me see. How I can do this. And if someone needs, says, Hey, I need a place to live or I need a job or I need a car. If a veteran comes to me and says, I need that, I can make that happen and I can reach out to my network and, and build that. So I would say how I want to be remembered. Um, I think I've done a pretty good job doing it and I'll continue to doing that. Um, as there's the guy that was there, if you needed something. That's awesome. Nonprofit? I didn't know you had a nonprofit, bro. Plug the nonprofit. What are you doing, man? Like, what's the name of it? Where can people find it? I mean, this is this is this is the place. 
I, um, I run a nonprofit called Triple B Adventures. Uh, we take veterans outdoors, hunting, hiking, camping, fishing. That's how we try and help combat PTSD, help improve mental wellness. We do community service. And we've done campouts once a month, every single month since November 2016. Now, with the exception of this year, um, obviously, we've had to put things on hold. Um, but we're at about 75 plus events that we've done that included fishing, hiking, hunting, camping. Um, next month we're trying, or this month we're trying to get about 20 veterans out, big tooth fishing up in the ocean with uh, real warriors. Uh, next month we're going to Sierras, do some trout fishing and some camping. And we have some campfire therapy, trying to get veterans out there. Uh, we're going to be taking some veterans and badass trips this year, some backpacking uh, trips, um, and some fishing trips, do some trout derbies. So it's, we're, we're outdoors guy. I grew up hunting, hiking, trapping, camping, fishing, growing up on an outdoors guy. Every weekend I can, I teach survival i'm teaching people how to live out in the woods and sustain themselves and as much as possible so if i can get a veterans out and and teach um and a lot of times with veterans how this started was veterans would come to me and say hey man i need some extra money i'm like i'm not going to borrow you money but i do have a land nav class coming up because what happened is every once in a while guys from um uh, Raider Battalion will call me the recruiters saying, Hey, I got a bunch of guys going into uh, ANS, and can you make yourself available to teach guys? So, yeah, I'll take a bunch of that, a uh, bunch of guys that are currently in a, uh, going into ANS, buy them a land nav, and I'll charge them about 180 per person. Take them out to a course here in San Diego, 14 point land nav course. I'll provide compasses and things like that. And I'll invite veterans that need money to come along and be my assistant that day, and I'll pay them for coming out with me and earn that cash. And okay. a lot of veterans coming out with me were like, man, going out to the woods and not getting shot at and watching someone out in the woods doing this, this, that. It's and therapy, it turned man. into a point. Yeah, it was. And it was turning into like, all right, well, let's go camping. Let's take a bunch of veterans camping. And so along with a bunch of good group of veterans that I know that are friends of mine, we created Triple B Adventures and we take veterans out every single month as much as possible to do events to get them outdoors and get them around a campfire what we do is campfires where we pass a horn around like the horn full of mead and we pass it around and when you get there you have to talk about what's going on in your life why you're at triple b why you're at the camp uh, what you hope and and the cool thing is about what we do is we have a big diverse group of veterans we don't sit there and say only we only take purple heart we only take combat veterans we only take wounded veterans with disability we take everybody we have females with mst you know i don't know how to approach that that i don't even know how to talk to a female who's experienced sexual trauma in the military but there's other females there that have done it gotten over it and can help them out and so what we do is we get this, the more diverse group of veterans that we have within our membership the more knowledge the more help, the more mentorship that can be brought that can help these veterans overcome a lot of what they got going on in their own, their own life and their own brain. Awesome. That is fantastic, bro. That's good stuff, man. I think, uh, nah, it's just good work, man. It's just some of the best therapy, clean, old nature and a little bit, a little bit of sweat and a little bit of fellowship. That's good, man. I love that. And I got it uh, on that. I want, I want to do a survival course out here for Cali too. So we got to talk about that, man. So heck yeah. I can make it happen. Do we got some private property up in Palmer mountain that we can go on and do some real actual awesome survival. And I think it'd be good if you and I sat down and kind of created a curriculum for EP guys to be able to comfortably take your backpack from sitting in a vehicle in LA and be able to go with your client and comfortably take care of your client on a backcountry trail somewhere when they, when they want to go camping or hiking and stuff like that, be able to know it's like, Hey, all right, the client can rely on me to go out in the woods and take care of them. Not, uh, in the wilderness as well. Dude, you're reading my mind. Basically the, rea <laughs> the reality is man, like they're trusting you with their life. You end up on a gridlocked freeway and you do need to move over some ground and get them back to wherever they need to get to. You do need to do it like a bug out type situation. Like in my opinion, I think an EP professional should be just as comfortable sitting in a, in a, in, in a suburban as they are uh, taking a, a client out hiking. Cause I've had clients go, Hey, I want to yeah. go hiking today. And I know I immediately switch over my gear, what gear I need put on my back yeah. and take care of them out there. Uh, should something happen. Awesome. No, I love it, man. What would you say is a, um, habit that's made you better at what you do or a habit you want to pass to the listenership that you think really makes a difference? Introspect. Every Ooh. day that you wake up, you need to study yourself and better yourself in your own mind. What have I done today? Within Stoicism, we talk, uh, they talk big about virtue. 
and living a virtuous life. And every morning you wake up, your job, and this is what I do every morning, I get up and say, my job is to live as virtuously as possible today. So because tomorrow, if I, if I die tonight, at least today, I live virtuously. And if I survive the night and I wake up in the morning, the next morning's a gift. And so I should live virtually with that, uh, virtuously with that gift. So every single day, I want everyone to wake up and evaluate what they're doing with their life. Are they happy? And what habits that day that they're going to try to break or improve to better their life. And when you better your life each day, you better the people around you. The more better people that you have around you, the better that your sphere of influence, the better friends that you're going to have, and the better life that you're going to live every single day. 100%, man. That is a great one. Uh, you know, as you work on yourself, it, ten, it turns out, in my opinion, to be the most righteous work you can do. Because as you become stronger, you can serve everyone on a higher level, man. It's so good. And that it, it starts with that real world introspection. That's invaluable. Awesome, brother, man. This has been good. We got a lot more trash to do together for sure. But where can people find you? What are you up to these days? Yeah, how do people start to become gray, man, with, with, and link up with you? So we're still kind of new. Uh, so I'm still building a website. Amongst the other things that we're doing, I'm, I'm still building a website. I'm edit editing video. We've been shooting video and content and things like that on survival gear and video reviews. But you can find me on Instagram, gray.man.project. And then you can find me on uh, social media, my personal Facebook page, Brady Pasola. I make myself accessible. I'm not one of those guys where, you know, if you send me a message, I will respond. And people can text me too, especially veterans. On our nonprofit website, I leave my phone number. The company phone number is my cell phone number that people can text if they want to. They can hit me up in the middle of the night. Um, so same thing with the Gray Man Project. If you're a potential client and you want to learn some stuff or you're having a rough time and you want to learn how to better protect yourself and you've received a threat from somebody, you can give me a call. My number is 760-815-7673. Find my email, brady.pasola at me.com. And then, of course, Facebook, Instagram. You can find me there as well. Awesome, Brady. Yo, man, this has been fantastic. Um, I really, brother, it's really cool getting to talk to you. No, nah, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I'm really excited about what you're doing, man. I love seeing brands that do these things, man, like brands that help veterans, <clears throat> brands that help civilians and just good people become more willing, capable and prepared. This is like, this is what we need to be doing. Strong men, women being a light, you know, in my opinion, this is like kind of shining your light to the world, man. And, you know, it's kind of like it gets rid, rid of ignorance. You know what I'm saying? The ignorance that makes us all um, more vulnerable. Ignorance you know? is the one number one killer right now man. for our society. It's cancer. Yeah. Yeah, it's the darkness. So I just want to commend you, brother. I'm proud. I'm glad we're connected. Looking forward to everything, man. And uh, heck yeah, looking forward to the next time our paths cross. So, Likewise, brother. Be good, be safe, and uh, thanks again. Heck yeah. God bless. Simplify. Out. Cheers. Boom. Yo, what up? I hope you guys really enjoyed that episode. Hey, listen, in order to get more out of the brand, I want to encourage you to go join us on our social media platforms and join us at protectornation.com. We post different types of content on our different platforms at different times. Uh, you'll get blog posts, you'll get videos, you'll get real world combat engagements and things like that. So stay plugged in in order to get the most out of the brand. In order to support us, also go to protectornation.com and buy something or join forces with me on Patreon. You'll scroll down the homepage and you'll see the link. Uh, anything you can give counts, you know, think about whatever you would lose in your cushions or like spend on McDonald's this month, five bucks a month, whatever it is. Uh, that helps. That helps us make the world a better place by making good people dangerous. Anyways, this is Byron Rogers, protector by nature and by trade. And I'll see you on the next piece of content, whether it's a video or podcast out. <laughs>